all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning and thank you for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at UMMC. And today we're going to be talking about vaping. So if you have questions or comments about vaping, we would love to hear those today. My guest is going to be Dr. Thomas Payne with the ACT Center and a lot of other cool stuff that he does that we'll talk about over this hour. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Or you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And joining me today, um, have Dr. Thomas Payne, who is a Professor of Otolaryngology and Communicative Sciences and the Director of the ACT Center, also at UMMC. And so all of that sounds very impressive. Tell me what it is that you do on a daily basis, because that has to do a lot with tobacco, correct? Yeah, tobacco and paperwork. Tobacco yeah. and paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> the two, two great things to talk about on a Monday morning. No, we, um, uh, the center has, has traditionally cut across areas of professional activity. So we treat a lot of people to help them to get off nicotine-addicting substances, um, we do a lot of training of healthcare professionals to help them to learn better methods for helping their own patients mm-hmm. in terms of quitting tobacco products and et cetera. And then we have our research agenda. So we've done lots of work in a variety of areas, including the genetics of nicotine dependence, cognitive behavioral factors in quitting, um, assessment factors looking at differences in who begins using tobacco right. products, et cetera, that sort of thing. Um, and, and just a host of other things al- along those lines. So, yeah. you know, we keep busy. Yeah, you, you keep busy with yep. all that paperwork. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and what, you've been on the show with me before, and we focused on, you know, tobacco cessation, and we can absolutely take calls about that today, but we're going to kind of focus in on vaping today. Right. Um, and so if you've got a question about what the heck vaping is, and, you know, if it is a, a health concern, which will we'll make the case that we think it is very much a health concern over this next hour, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four and my email is fit at mpbonline.org. So, you know, I was at a conference uh, about probably about two weeks ago, I guess, and you were there as well. You spoke right before me and y'all spoke on on vaping. And there was just so much new info that I heard in your talk that I knew we had to get you on the show to talk about those things, because vaping is largely considered to be a, a safer option than than smoking by a large 
amount of people. But the data that I saw presented was like not not so much. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We 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 have a. Oh, by the way, before I before I answer, mm-hmm. let me just also mention that. Um, because my, my other new boss would probably not like it if I didn't. Oh, uh, yes. We, well, let's we make are, all the bosses happy. <laughs> we are now also uh, an integral part of the UMMC Cancer Institute. Fantastic. And so we're involved in, again, helping cancer patients who are smoking to quit and uh, uh, getting people to get the scans, the lung scans, the if they're at high risk scan. and all that stuff. Yeah. So we're, so, we're, so I just wanted to absolutely you, you mention that as well. Um, so, so yes, so, so vaping is, um, uh, it, it, it's an interesting class of nicotine containing product because, um, nothing is burning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, now that's the same as, um, uh, smokeless tobacco products that we won't, won't combust anything as well, but because it's in a liquid form and it's heated, this is a, this is a new way of delivering nicotine. Um, so the the products are classed as tobacco products because given the nicotine is drawn from tobacco mm. largely that's the way the FDA rules are set up and so that that's how they do it but there's just no question at this point that um uh the vaping companies are getting better at delivering more effective and higher doses of nicotine than traditionally has been in the old, if you remember the original blue cigarettes, mm. I mean, they're, they're still around, but in the original version, those versions delivered such low levels of nicotine that very few people actually enjoyed them and got addicted to them. Right. But over time, what we've seen is a trend towards um, initially bigger batteries to produce more heat because more heat increases nicotine yields. Um, and, um, uh, and then ultimately... Uh, with the advent primarily of Juul, which is, uh, uh, for those of you viewers who don't, uh, listeners who don't uh, know that, it, it is the largest vaping group right now and mm-hmm. is largely owned by Philip Morris mm-hmm. at this point, Altria Group. Um, they have changed the formulation of the nicotine from a standard nicotine liquid to what are called nicotine salts. And nicotine salts are absorbed much more readily. It's far more addictive and, um, you know, Juul and companies like Juul are now doing this and are having much more success uh, addicting younger people mm. uh, to these products because of the, uh, the much greater addiction liability associated right. with that. That seems almost, you know, counterintuitive to, to the mentality that a lot of folks have that, that it, uh, vaping is a way to get off of cigarettes, right, by you know, kind of stepping down the nicotine content and, and that kind of stuff. But what I'm hearing is it's it's more it's just as addictive, if not more, um, depending on the product that you use. Exactly right. Now that's not to say that some people don't effectively do right. that. I mean, and and so you know, and I know this is probably going to be a, an issue for for people who some people who might call in um, w- that they use it as a way to do it, and right in the way that you do it. Many do start with a full strength kind of vaping liquid, mm-hmm. and then taper it down. Now you can't do that with something like Juul because it only comes in a standard dose. Ah, uh, standard dose, gotcha. So you have to go to a vaping shop where they'll mix it to you to your gotcha. liking. And so that, that sort of happens. But the key thing to be aware of is that if you look at the number of people who actually, you know, m- many vapors say they're picking up because they want to quit cigarettes mm-hmm. and they want to get off nicotine completely. Mm-hmm. The problem that happens is that, that the vast majority, well, well, some do quit and that's great. The vast majority either 
stay on vaping products long-term or worse, the larger single contingent become what we call dual users. So they continue to use some tobacco, you know, standard tobacco Mm -hmm. products like, like uh, cigarettes, but then vape as well. And the, the, the evidence is particularly disturbing there. When you look at um, the most recent um, evidence coming out of the national health information study and some of those, uh, what we, what we're seeing is that individuals who are poly users of tobacco products cut, cut across products mm-hmm. like that actually have higher heart disease risk than people that use any one form. Oh, wow. Right. So, so the, it's the first evidence that's coming out that's saying, you know, uh, one or the other, not well, both. Well, <laughs> and they're both bad, but, but together they're even worse. Right. But yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the big messages that's coming out of this. Mm. And since that's what most people end up doing, this is potentially a really bad thing on a societal mm-hmm. level for us. Right. Kind of thing, so. And so let's talk about the, the, why we don't want people using nicotine products in, in general. Is it the nicotine that is the problem? Is it the smoke that's the problem? What, what is the problem that's causing health problems? So, so we have about four hours here. Right? Yes, yeah, okay. we do. <laughs> We're going to need to take the whole booth for the rest of the day. Well, it's 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 actually all of them. All mm. the different components yield different uh, issues. Now, in in a weird way, and this is funny to say, the nicotine is the least nasty thing. Gotcha. In, in tobacco products, I mean, it's not good for you. It's what keeps you coming back for more. It's what keeps you coming back for more. But from a health perspective, except for certain subgroups. Um, it it isn't all that bad, you know. That's part of the reason why we have nicotine patches and nicotine right. gum and, and, and et cetera, because used in those kinds of quantities for the recommended period of time, there's very little evidence that it really imparts, you know, harm. I, again, unless you are like if you've got unstable arrhythmias, right, or or some some really bad cardiac condition or cancer condition or something like that. Under those cases, you probably wouldn't want to do that. But for, for an otherwise healthy individual used for X period of time to try to quit, to help you to quit tobacco, mm-hmm. that's fine. Okay. Now, if you are a pregnant mom, this is not a good idea. Right. We know that nicotine rewires the brain, and a developing brain is particularly susceptible to the effects of nicotine um, in terms of, uh, you know, there's evidence showing that kids are more likely to grow up being ADHD, oppositional disorders, mm-hmm. mental retardation. I mean, just just a plethora of, mm-hmm. of health problems, et cetera. So, so, that's, so that's the deal. So um, now the nicotine does have some cardiac effects in and of itself, uh, blood pressure effects, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But again, if you were to use it for three to six months and then get off of it, no, n- right. no real Not evidence of problems. What's what's problematic is all the other stuff that's in tobacco products. And it's important for listeners to understand that what's problematic in cigarette smoke, for example, is different than what's problematic in vaping. Okay, so it's a different product, right? So for cigarette smoke, we've always talked about the high carbon monoxide levels, right. all the TARs, which are cancer-causing chemicals, et cetera, that are in there. Those And those have been well-documented for many years now, uh, as well as um, a, a class of chemicals called... Uh, volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, mm-hmm. and those are largely related to heart disease risk. Okay, so we've got plenty of those in other forms of tobacco. Uh, what we're finding out with vaping is that it's a, it's a different uh, situation. There are some chemicals that overlap, and then there, there are others that are unique to vaping. Right. So first of all, we are finding that that um, uh, the uh, two primary compounds that are in the e liquids are propylene glycol, 
PG, which is uh, for uh, many may know that that is one of the vehicles. Like if you have a, a pulmonary medicine that's mm-hmm. a puffer, mm-hmm. it's one of the fluids that are in yeah. there. So in its cold state, in small doses, it's completely safe. FDA approved, all of that, right? Uh, the other major substance that's in e-liquids e- is vegetable glycerins, which is a fat, right? Okay. okay. Now, again, to ingest it, you know, as, as like you would eat food, again, in the doses that are provided there, it is not dangerous. Now, in general, fats are not something you want inhaled into the lung. Doesn't sound like a good idea. Not, not a great idea, but in and of itself, that's all right. But the, the main issue here is that when you heat these products, they change. Mm. So when you heat PG, propylene glycol, glycol, when you heat the vegetable glycerins, they changed into a variety of compounds called aldehydes, like formaldehyde and acetaldehyde oh, and others. Don't sound like something no, you'd want they, inside. No, these are these are not safe substances to be mm-hmm. inhaling. And again, one of the things that has been a challenge in in the development of this technology is that if you heat the substance higher, it produces higher levels of these toxins, but it also produces higher levels of nicotine. Nicotine. Right. So in order to get the satisfaction that the individual is looking for, particularly individuals who are showing signs of addiction to this chemical, you have to heat it high enough to get the dosing that would be satisfying. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're increasing toxins. And so that the, the health implications are tied directly to increasing the yield of what the right. industry wants to do to have a loyal customer base. If right. you sort of think about it that way. Right. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And those are some very interesting things that you brought up, and we're going to explore those some more. And in particular, I want to explore um, the jewel that you mentioned sure. earlier. When we come back from this first break, now's a great time to give us a call and get on the line with your questions about tobacco use, tobacco cessation, and vaping. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two. We'll be back after the break. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Thomas Payne, and we are talking about vaping today. And we've got some open lines, and I would love to hear from someone who maybe has used um, vaping to successfully quit cigarettes and then quit vaping as well. I'd love to hear that story. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 And, you know, we're also happy to take questions about um, ways to stop smoking, stop using cigarettes, or stop vaping, if that's what you would like to do today. Um, Those lines are open and ready for you. Now, before we went on the break, you were telling me about kind of um, that when we heat these compounds inside vaping liquids, because technically the vaping liquid liquid is considered uh, safe, but when we heat it, it becomes a different animal Changes. right, That's right yeah. and so um you know those things are bad for us 
And as we heat it more, we get more nicotine as well. So we become a little bit more addicted to those types right. of things. And you had mentioned a product um, called Juul, which uh, probably within the last couple of months, I had not heard of it before. And it's not spelled Juul like like J-E-W-E-L. That's because I tried to Google it and got zero um, <laughs> when I Googled that. Um, but it's a, it's a different kind of delivery device, right. correct? So and a question I get often a lot is, is vaping e-cigarettes? Is that the same thing or is it different? So, yes, vaping is, you know, e-cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Now, there's more than cigarette shapes. There are e-pipes, oh. okay. e-hookahs. Oh, e- yeah. You know, you've got all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. They all fall under vaping. So okay. e-cigarettes, but e- since it's by far the largest category, mm-hmm. typically people use the term interchangeably okay. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So tell me about Juul and what, what it is and what it was theoretically created for. Right. So, so Jules, uh, Jules is a very interesting story from a lot of perspectives, including a business story. Um, they, uh, through their uh, business approach and unique designs and whatever, have basically in just two to three years consumed about 60% of the vaping market from a, a startup to that mm-hmm. overnight, essentially mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, and and uh, to your point before, it's spelled J U U L. Yeah, I never. Right. I wouldn't right. have gotten there ever. Yeah, just one of those <laughs> one of those things about being cool. That's right. right. You know? That's right. I was not in the cool club. I did not know. Um, so Jewel is unique in in a number of different ways. Uh, first of all, um, while they deny this, they basically target the youngest segment of of, of society. And how do they do that? Well, if you've ever looked at a jewel, it looks like a USB flash drive, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, there, and we've got stories from schools where teachers are walking behind kids, and their jewel drops out of their their backpack, and the teacher will pick it up and say, "Here, you dropped your flash drive," mm-hmm. and give it back to them, kind because it thing. doesn't look like doesn't look like it. Right now, now I think uh, it, you know. Um, uh, teachers and other schools are getting, they're getting, wise they're getting to smarter it. Yeah. about it now. Yes, right. But still, it's kind of like you said, it's mm-hmm. just been a while since you've right. really heard about this. Yeah. So, that, so that's number one. The second thing is that those two compounds we talked about, PG and VG, mm-hmm. which are the primary vehicles in the liquid, more PG makes more smoke ah. or vapor, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense because it, if it's in inhalers and that kind of exactly. stuff, right? Exactly, exactly. And so if you've ever, there are these cloud contests. I don't know if you've ever seen. Oh, you, gosh, yes. no. Tell me about a cloud contest. Okay. You can find these on YouTube, by the way, very easily. <laughs> know what um, I'll be doing later. There are these contests where these e-cigarette users will, you know, puff and do these remarkable, you know, that will blow these oh, shapes like and circles Like balloon animals yes, with smoke. Exactly. Exactly. And the larger it is and the more complex it is, and they do it for prizes. I mean, oh, I mean, the, the vaping industry was very smart to do this because it makes it this big, fun sort of event. And then their products get highlighted and the sales go up and, you know, all that sort of stuff. There you get free right? advertising there right there. Go, right. Yep. So what, but what Juul did is they went, ah, so PG creates more smoke. So what they, what they did is they changed the percentage to make PG very low. So now you can have a child in a classroom with a, with a jewel in their mouth. It looks like they're chewing on their USB drive. And when they puff on it, it produces very little, little visible smoke because the PG levels are so low. Sneaky. So that's, that's very sneaky. But it, again, it points to why it's been targeted. It shows right. a point of targeting that it's not really kids. targeted for those 30, 40-year-olds exactly. who are trying to, to stop smoking. Exactly. Exactly. So, the, so they do that. 
another is, uh, aspect of it is that to charge it, you put it into your laptop just like you would a USB. Shut the front door. And that's exactly right. And it charges the device right there. Looks like just a normal key, you know, that <laughs> you just stick in. So, so it, it, it's got that going on there um, as well. Uh, and then the final piece is the is the thing that I mentioned before, which is this change from standard nicotine liquids to this nicotine salt. The in, the uh, importance about that is, you know, the mouth is more alkaline, and so the salt based mixture now absorbs better, and you don't have to heat it quite as high uh-huh. because of the re- more readily that these, the these liquids are absorbed, huh. and the nicotine is absor- absorbed there. Yeah, so they've basically created a product. It it has actually led to the term stealth vaping. Stealth vaping. That's right, because wow. you can do it without people really realizing what you're doing and, uh, and sort of thing. So are there things to look for on the little device? Like if somebody drops one and you pick it up, is there something that will clue you in that it's not a, a flash drive, that it's a jewel? Uh, other than that, the fact that it's a little bit longer than okay. most flash drives are, um, really not. I okay. mean, it's, it's basically... It, it it's a long, thin, uh, black rectangular, mm-hmm. you know, sort of just like a flash mm-hmm. drive. It's got a little cutout in place where the where the flavor pod snaps in, right? So Jewel Jewel actually did an, uh, another really good thing. You know, we started out with products that were preset and had installed liquid. And when mm-hmm. you finished those liquid, you threw the device away and you bought another one. Oh. Those were disposable. Okay. But And then we went to where people would go to vape shops and mix and pour liquids in. Well, that's it, you get much more variety, but it's mm-hmm. messy and oh, it's, okay. it's cumbersome. So Juul has four flavor pods and you can switch among them and, and do whatever. And, and it snaps into the, the top of it. The interesting thing is that tiny little pod, which is like, maybe a half inch square mm-hmm. has as much nicotine delivery effectively in it as an entire pack of cigarettes. Whoa. Yeah. So these are highly addictive variants of e-cigarette mm-hmm. products here kind mm-hmm. of thing. And Jewel knows this quite well. Um, How long you, does one of those little pods, like, does it take to, to blow through that? Um, because it gets absorbed faster mm-hmm. than, than smoke, the time it takes to smoke cigarettes, Many kids will go through it in in a couple of days, maybe wow. at most. You know, where where I think in cigarette usage for for kids comparable to that to this period, say like a few years mm-hmm. ago, it was it would take much longer to smoke a pack of cigarettes. You know, closer to gotcha. a week maybe or something. So like they're that. getting much more yes. a, a quicker, large dose of nicotine. Bigger in there. buzz from Bigger the nicotine, buzz. all of that. Yeah, and 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 becoming addicted much mm-hmm. more rapidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually had, um, you know, an email come in that asked about kind of about something like that. You know, they say you they see teenagers that are using these products, but then they tend to progress up to then using regular cigarettes. So it's kind of the opposite of what, you know, intellectually we think you're you're a smoker, you're using cigarettes and then you move to vaping to try and stop. But it's kind of backwards in the younger population. Right. What what the U.S. data has been showing pretty consistently is that um, the uh, first of all, if you combine everybody, the the people that use vaping the most are people who are also current cigarette smokers. Mm -hmm. Okay, followed by former smokers, followed by never smokers. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you look within age groups, those relationships uh, um, hold up very well for people over 25, 30 years of, of age. But when you look at, at 18 to 24s and adolescents, what you see is that the highest groups are 
current cigarette smokers and and never cigarette mm-hmm. smokers and former cigarette smokers are the lowest. So you have a lot of kids now where vaping is their first exposure to nicotine as opposed to in the past where it was cigarettes first and then moving towards vaping as a way to quit. Mm-hmm. But but many people don't consider vaping in the class of tobacco products at all. So hmm. they, they see it as something to, oh, you smoke, but I vape. That's a different right. thing, you know, right. and, and not really realizing mm-hmm. all that's involved in this. And it's complicated. We can't blame the, pop, uh, the public. No, like it, my head hurts right now just I thinking know, about it all. I know, But it's important to, it's to important. think about these things. And we'll talk about some of the reasons why it's so important that we address these. And I want to talk about the notion of secondhand smoke as it relates to to vaping vaping when we come back from this break. So if you've got a question or a comment about cigarettes, about vaping, about tobacco use and cessation, we're happy to take those today. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back after the break. Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today in the studio is Dr. Thomas Payne, and we're talking about vaping today. Um, We would love to talk with you today, and in particular, I'd love to hear maybe what you've heard about vaping and kind of if you've had an experience with it in the past or there's anything we can clear up for you. That's what we're here uh, to help you do. We are uh, fully committed to helping provide the best information possible and help people live the healthiest life that they can. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring. So we did have a caller who called in but was unable to stay on the line, but we did um, get the question. The question was, um, is the physical withdrawal from the nicotine worse with these vaping devices? Because you kind of said it was like a bigger hit of nicotine, you know, so is the withdrawal worse? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, uh, putting on my my, my, my scientific hat Uh-oh. here. Let me put mine on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to basically have to say we really don't know yet. <laughs> Those you <know>? are always good. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's you know, the, that kind of research is what's mm-hmm. going on right now and being looked at. Um, however, it, it, take, taking a guess at it, I would assume that based on, you know, the blood levels of nicotine, mm-hmm. that that's going to be, the, it doesn't matter what the sources you get it from. Uh, two factors that affect how we experience, um, you know, the level of addiction, tolerance to substance, whatever, and then the withdrawal symptoms that come afterwards are how much are you getting and how rapidly does it get in your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the reasons, for example, that nicotine patches don't cause withdrawal to really any degree is that while they deliver a good dose of nicotine and suppress urges, you know, mm-hmm. to smoke, the fact of the matter in is, is that it seeps, it takes, by the time when you put a patch on, on your skin, it's two hours before there are effective blood levels, ah, right? Okay. When you smoke a cigarette, 
It's detectable in your brain in seven seconds. Seven seconds? Yes, faster than putting a needle in your arm with drugs and stuff. I mean, yes, so it's incredibly rapid. Vaping is just a little bit slower than that. It used to be much slower, but they are getting better better at at the delivery systems. Yeah, so... Um, you know, that, that's the deal. So I would assume that as these devices are progressing and the newer ones, I would imagine the withdrawal symptoms that would come from it when a person attempts to just stop is going to be more significant. Mm-hmm. But I have to be very honest, there's very it's little data addressing it just yet. Yeah. yeah. Right. So before we went on the break, you know, I had the question about secondhand smoke exposure or vape exposure, right. I guess is how we would say it. You know, we, there's course a robust amount of information that secondhand cigarette smoke is right. is terrible for us what about the exposure to the the vape um cloud right right so again something that's kind of in its infancy mm-hmm. in research at this point but um you know uh one of the differences in 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 um when when a person exhales is that unlike cigarette smoke which tends to hang in the air okay Vaping fluids tend to settle on on um, on things on things like carpet, drapes, furniture, clothing, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So there's probably less long-standing secondhand smoke. But I can tell you, there've been the, the few studies that I have read about this is one of the more interesting ones. Is that um, there was one that was done with um, uh, homes where there was vaping, where infants were in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, and w- again, when they just did air measurements, it's pretty low. When they measured the carpeting and whatever, it's higher levels. And then what they did a very interesting thing is they know where this the babies, is going. Right? Oh, yeah. So babies crawl along the rugs. And, and then they so, put everything in their mouth. And they put everything in their mouths. That's the other thing. And so they have measurable levels of vape, uh, you know, products on their palms that are measurable. Mm. And then you can measure it on their lips Aww. and whatever. So, yeah. So there's clearly there's some of that. Now, mm-hmm. my gut says there's less overall of a secondhand phenomenon mm-hmm. than there is for cigarettes, mm-hmm. but it's not absent mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, for at-risk individuals, which includes infants, right? Uh, it's potentially significant. Right. Yeah, which is almost like the concept of third-hand smoke, which exactly. we hear about a lot um, when the the cigarette particles and and stuff settles down onto the environmental things and then babies gnaw on it and lick it and do all those sweet adorable things that they do that's right and then take that you know take that substance into them and and remember that vegetable glycerin that's an oil Mm -hmm. so it sticks Sticks. yeah right and 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 so it's there for a long time yeah you probably have to use some good old elbow grease to get that that off of that and some good solvents to get that off so it's very uh very interesting to think about it not necessarily being the the cloud that is the issue but more what it settles down into and onto that's right Um, especially think about you know if you're using these things in a motor vehicle i mean it's a very confined space where things would settle out and you know not be visible and doesn't have that smell that you know, cigarette smoke has to it. That's one of the things I think you're exactly on. When people, they they see a white cloud, and Mm -hmm. so it seems safer, you know, because it's not as dirty looking, (laughs) you know, kind of, or whatever. Right, not that gray gray cloud, right. Exactly. And and it smells nice, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to admit, I've been behind people who were smoking, like, fruity Mm -hmm. kinds of things, and they smell good. Mm -hmm. Um, one, One of the stories I like to tell is that when I was first becoming exposed to vaping and all... I was in a restaurant in Jackson here, which it doesn't exist, it has closed down. But um, at that time, they didn't allow any use of any products, vaping or cigarettes in the restaurant. But at the bar, you could. 
right? Oh, it's just totally different. And, just right, right, right over right, there. That's right. <laughs> and and I went by, and this guy, there's, you know, we didn't have the small little mm-hmm. jewels that, you know, mm-hmm. there was. He had this large sort of e-cigarette, and I sort of saw it and really hadn't seen one up close. So, you know, being the bashful person that I am, I walked up to him and I said, hey, is that an e-cigarette? Can I, can I look at that? <laughs> and he said, yeah. I said, well, can you show me how it works? Mm-hmm. And he, he showed it to me and he took a puff on it. And when he ex- exhaled, I'll, I'll never forget this. It smelled like an angel food cake had just come out of the oven. Oh my gosh. And I was like, wow, I really see the draw for this. Yeah. This is really kind of very nice smelling. You know? mm-hmm. So again, we associate those things with safety and, mm-hmm. you know, hominess and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really it's, it's just a set of chemicals meant to mimic a flavor. There's no mm-hmm. angel food cake in that liquid. Yeah, that's, you know? <laughs> that's not, it's not a calorie-free way to get your angel food exactly. cake. Exactly, exactly. Wow. So. Now, you know, if there are folks who, you know, have tried vaping and kind of feel stuck and kind of struggling, you know, how, you know, that maybe they went to vaping to get off of cigarettes, right. but now they find themselves kind of st- stuck, addicted to vaping, what, like what what do we offer those folks? How do we do that? Yeah, it's a uh, uh, and again, very little work in this mm. area now, kind of um, because most of the the funds that are available are not for cessation sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's for trying to understand the health implications of right. this stuff, you know. But um, I would say, you know, the thing that you mentioned before that some people uh, titrate themselves down in terms of the strength of the nicotine mm. in the liquid. You know, ostensibly, that could be something that works as long as they eventually get off. Mm -hmm. And that's the key thing, because the last thing you want to do is become a dual user, because we know that particularly the the heart disease risks Mm -hmm. go increase Mm -hmm. over individual products. So we want to make sure people don't do that. So so if 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 someone's able to do that and get off completely, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's fine. More power to them. Um, What I would suggest, of course, is using you know, the FDA approved products right. first, of course. So the nicotine replacement, um, and again, while it hasn't been tested, we have no reason to believe that either Zyban or Chantix also might be helpful in these situations. Yeah. We've had some individual successes with people mm-hmm. coming into our clinics doing it that mm-hmm. way. But again, there, you know, I want to be very clear. There is simply no evidence. It doesn't mean it works or doesn't work. We just, right. don't, just don't know have systematic yet. evidence yet. Yeah. So, so I suspect over the next few years we'll see more studies coming out uh, mm-hmm. looking at that. But as of right now, we don't have that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the same methods we use to quit using other forms of tobacco would work very effectively here. Medications are certainly a big thing and very helpful. But, again, I caution people, as I always have, that meds alone, you know, there is no magic bullet here. Right. Meds have a great short-term effect, but if you don't learn how to behave differently and replace those things in your life with other things, uh, the, the risk of sliding back into that, that pattern is very, very high. So, you know, at the ACT Center, we have a combined, you know, a supportive counseling plus mm-hmm. medications approach. And all of the evidence shows at least, you know, again, we don't have the, um, the, the, the data for vaping yet, mm-hmm. but at least with other products, that that is the most effective way to quit and stay off long term. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like that for, for a multitude of health issues. Absolutely. You know, we had um, a mental health provider on last week. And, you know, when we're treating anxiety and depression, the best results usually come from medications, mostly in the short term, right. as we start to change the way we think and the way we behave related to how we think. Right. And it's the same conversation I have with folks in clinic who are wanting to lose weight for me, you know, and they ask about um, diet medications, right. you know, but fundamentally, if we don't change kind of 
the behavior and right. why we're seeking and using either food or you know nicotine or alcohol or some other right. substance. If we don't change that, then, yeah, they work in the short term, but we ultimately wind up relapsing and, and not being healthy for the long term. To, to, your, to your point, I, I, I should mention that the, the study came out recently in... I think it was internal in, internal medicine, uh, or or um, no, maybe it was JAMA. It might okay. have been JAMA, okay. uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, um, and it was heralded as a as a as a um, you know a, one of the first studies to show that vaping really did help people quit. Mm-hmm. And so, just just very briefly, uh, the 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 researchers to, had two groups of individuals: one that used vaping, and one that uh, used nicotine replacement therapies. And they showed that one year later there was actually a slightly higher percentage of individuals who had been vaping who quit than individuals using NRT. And you go, oh, okay, so that's a good thing. But when you dig into it a little bit, another finding comes out. When you read more more than just the abstract. Exactly right. (laughs) So if you then looked at continued use of the product they used to quit, Mm, right? So in the nicotine replacement group, you had about 10% of the people who quit using tobacco still using the nicotine replacement product, okay? And again, we have some pretty good evidence that longer-term use of these products does not appear to be dangerous okay. kind of thing, you know. Um, when you looked at the those who use the vaping devices to quit using tobacco, almost 90% were still vaping. Still vaping. Right. So if vaping is completely safe, this would be great. Right. But all of the evidence seems to be leaning in the other direction that they, they carries its own risks. If you're able to quit with vaping and then get off vaping completely, that's probably okay. Six months of use is not likely to be, you know, do any long-term right. sort of damage kind of thing. But if you continue to use it long-term, I am personally very concerned about the health implications mm-hmm. of, of that for our patients and, yeah. and anybody out there who's yeah. looking to get off tobacco. I applaud the effort, yeah. but I would say use methods that we know work right. and, and that are not in and of themselves risky as well kind of thing. Right, yeah. right. So it's it's a tool that we can use. But it's not necessarily a healthier long-term solution right. to not smoking. Right, right. Yep. And 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 a sm- and the reality is, is only about five percent of people who use a vaping device ultimately quit long-term, mm. which is exactly the same number of people who quit cigarettes long-term by doing nothing at all. Oh, just going cold turkey. Just going cold turkey. Oh. Right. So it's mm-hmm. hard to say whether the vaping is actually helping or these are just people who really want to quit anyway. Right. Kind of right. So, yeah. Huh. yeah. Okay. That's very yeah. interesting. We're going to go ahead and take a last break of the hour. Now is the time. If you have a burning question, no pun intended, or, well, maybe a pun, um, go ahead and give us that call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We'll be back in just a few.
Welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and I've been uh, had the pleasure of having Dr. Thomas Payne in the booth with me today. And we've been talking about vaping and nicotine addiction and different ways to uh, deal with that and the health consequences of vaping. We'd love to spend this last segment talking with you. If you give us a call, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. As always, you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And we do have a caller all the way in Arkansas. So we're going to go talk with Sarah this morning. Hello, Sarah. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. So I am a 63-year-old, 50-year pack history dedicated smoker who was just diagnosed with early stages of macular degeneration. Mm, okay. Told I had to quit smoking immediately. So I have started vaping. Okay. Does the doctor know about vaping? And I am backing off on my nicotine levels in my vaping, but any indication of whether or not vaping will hurt the macular degeneration or speed it up. Mm. Okay. All right, what you got, Dr. Payne? Yeah, it's a good question, Sarah. Um, uh, first of all, yay for stopping using yeah, cigarettes. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a yeah. good first step. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so here's here's what kind of uh, again, just based on kind of what we know, mm. without it really being a lot of scientific evidence at this point. Uh, one of the things we do know is that nicotine, in and of itself, is a vasoconstrictor. So it does decrease blood flow, particularly in small, small arteries, vessels, yeah. and that includes the, the arteries that feed the eye, right? So right. now when you use a nicotine replacement therapy, you know, FDA approved, like the patch or the gum or whatever, um, it, it comes into the system so much more slowly that the level of vasoconstriction is, is dramatically reduced. I would have to guess that while vaping might not be quite as bad as cigarettes, the amount of nicotine there might also uh, increase the, the level of reduced blood flow to the eye. And I think, honestly, if you want to use a nicotine product, I would think in this case that more than likely an FDA-approved NRT is likely to be safer mm-hmm. in that regard. I, I don't say that with 100% confidence, right. but it makes sense to me that that yeah. would be the case. Just from a you know, physiology standpoint, it makes sense right. to me. You right. know. Yeah, I, um, I will tell you I don't like the vaping, so it'll be easier for me to back off. But, boy, I've been smoking a long time yeah. and really liked them. Let me ask you so, something, Sarah. Um, uh, 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 so, so nicotine replacement is one way to go. Had you have you ever tried or considered using the other two non-nicotine medicines for smoking, either Zyban or Chantix? I, uh, I have, I, I have, but just didn't really like them. All of the side effects sound just like withdrawal to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you get homicidal and suicidal. So, you know, I'm fine with, I'm fine with that. I just. My anxiety level is so high. I'm thinking about going and getting some anti-anxiety while I'm working my way through. But I think the vaping is just extending the withdrawal. It very well. It, that's entirely possible. So you've tried Zyban, for example, before. I think I tried Chantex years ago. Okay. I actually had my most success with um, with uh, hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. but it okay. was so easy to quit. I could go back and smoke. Knowing that I could quit again, uh, oh. I wanted. So, yeah. 
Well, you yeah. might you might want to consider the Zyban. Zyban is um is different than uh, these other medicines. It is an older style antidepressant, but it has a it has this atypical effect of greatly reducing with uh, withdrawal and urge to smoke. Um, it is very safe. It's been with us for a very long time, and uh, that might just give you another option here that might uh, help you out. And doesn't have any of the cardiovascular effects yeah. we talked about yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. So, that's, yeah. That's, that's what I'll see. All right. Thanks for taking my call. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Thanks for giving us a call today. All right. We're good. Uh, quickly going to go on and talk with Jerry in Tupelo. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, good morning. I've been enjoying your program today. Well, thank Great. you. What can I we do for a, you? Yeah, I've, I've got a, a kind of a comment and kind of a question. Okay. You know, we think about nicotine uh, as the, you know, health problems that it can conceivably cause and contrast that with the, uh, uh, you know, high or whatever buzz it creates. I, I kind of wanted to ask our uh, doctor to comment on the toxicity of nicotine as a, a comparison, for example, with some uh, common pesticides. It, uh, that's a very interesting question and interesting example because actually nicotine is used as a pesticide what? in some cases, <laughs> but in much yeah. higher levels. Okay. That's the thing. Um, uh, very high levels of nicotine are absolutely toxic. For example, if you ingested all the nicotine in a pack of cigarettes at once, you know, in, in one shot, it would drop you dead. It's that strong kind of thing. But because we take it in very slow doses over a period of time, we that doesn't happen. And we just experience the addiction and stuff that right. kind of comes with it. But but yes, it is, it is a pesticide. It can kill a lot of stuff. Wow. That was a great there, question, Jerry. There you go. There Bye. you go. All right. Thanks for listening. And thanks for giving us a call. All right, so you mentioned um, the kind of FDA-approved nicotine replacements that can be used. So if we've got someone who's wanting to stop smoking, someone who's wanting to stop vaping, um, you know, what are those those products? So probably the patch is one that most folks have been familiar with. Yep, uh, you, you've got the, that's probably the most widely uh, used one. Uh, probably works better be, just because you only have to do one thing a day. Yeah, you don't so have to remember stuff. That's right, you just, just it slap on and it go. on once a day and you're good to go kind of thing. So so patches are good. Um, the nicotine gum is is another product that's been around for a long time. Um, the nice thing there is that the this, the gum is uh, the flavors are nice. People mm-hmm. like them. Plus, they're non-stick to dentures. Mm. Uh, they're sugarless. You know, so you don't have any of those other problems issues, that right? could go with it. Right. There's also the nicotine lozenge, which is like the gum in a sense. You don't okay. chew it, but, but an oral, oral. Like a cough drop. Exactly. Okay. You, know, you just suck on it over a period of time. And then you've got a couple of others. There's the nicotine inhaler, which is a, a, a small mouthpiece that you can sort of just suck on as you, as you okay. want kind of thing. And then a very high dose delivery system, which is the nicotine nasal spray. Not many people use that, not because it doesn't work, but because it's kind of irritating yeah. in the nasal passage. And so uh, you don't get a lot of high satisfaction mm-hmm. ratings often from it, that kind of thing. But otherwise, uh, all of them have tons of trials behind them right. showing that they're very effective in helping people to quit. Now, are they all available over the counter? Uh, not not the uh, nasal spray okay. and not the inhaler. Okay, so those, those are prescriptions. Those need require prescription. From someone like... Your office, who sees folks all the time for this type of stuff, right? Yep. Um, But the gum, the patch, those are, and the lozenge are over the counter. All over the counter. Now, I know you mentioned that it's it's they're lower dose, so they're not quite as bad for us. But you know, if we've got someone who may be using these products for 
years. So yes, yeah, so do we want to try to get off of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting question, and 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 the reason why it's interesting is that if you said to me, this patient in front of you here, they can either use nicotine replacement for the rest of their lives or go back to smoking. Mm. I would say use nicotine replacement right. for the rest of your life. There's just simply no, it's not a hundred percent safe, but it is vastly, vastly more safe. safer than any right. tobacco product. Yes. Right. So, so if that was your choice, I would, you know, and we've had patients that really just seem to have a hard time quitting nicotine replacement. It's very, I mean, I can count them on one hand, mm -hmm. but when you have someone like that, we, we do our best to get them off. But if the answer is getting them off is more than likely going to lead back to smoking, then just keep them on Stay it. on it. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's okay. The, the likelihood of risk is, you know, not zero, but close to it yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and in that particular case, we, you know, we'd probably try to want to work on the more behavioral piece of, you know, why is it more of a habit yeah. that you're using these things or do you really have a physical dependence on those things that you're, you're needing yeah. that and work on the, the therapy piece of that, getting folks right. and, off and, and down. And, and often those two things go together. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're not separate things. Uh, incidentally, if someone is a high gum user, for example, and there's been, you know, a couple of papers written showing that there's a small percent of people that seem to have this. Really, what we find very effective is to shift over to the patch. Oh, okay. You know, and, and, and actually, we, under a doctor's supervision, if someone's using a lot of gum, and we've had some people chewing 30, 40 pieces per day, mm -hmm. right? You, one patch is not the maximum. Oh, you, you can, can go higher there. Now, there. now, I strongly recommend that you work with your healthcare, with the healthcare provider, provider for that kind of thing. But it is very feasible to get that dose up to where a person's comfortable and then slowly sort of work it back. All right. Yep. Well, you've given us a lot of great information today. If you didn't get a chance to call, you can always email me at fit at mpbonline.org. Thank you to Dr. Thomas Payne for joining us today with all this great information. You're welcome. Remember to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio.